Amen? Book of Esther. The book of Esther. It's right before the book of Job in your Bible. In case you open near the middle and you end up in Psalms, go back two books, you'll be in Esther. The book of Esther, chapter 3. I wanted to read the whole book, but we didn't have time this morning. And uh, you don't want to sit here and listen to me read ten chapters. Um, And I'm sorry, chapter 4, Brother Jerry. Thank you. Esther chapter 4. And I'm going to start right there in the first verse. Reading quickly. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Now this is a result of a decree that has gone out to destroy the Jews throughout all the provinces over which King Ahasuerus had dominion. Mordecai heard this and he was grieved and this is why we're reading what has taken place here now. Now you must know the first three chapters that we didn't read. King Ahasuerus had a queen named Vashti that refused to come into him and it made him angry so he put her away and they sought for one to replace the queen through this process. You can read the whole book. Be good for you this afternoon or evening. Read those ten short chapters that minister to you. And from this, there were many ladies chosen, but ultimately Esther, hence the name of the book. Esther was chosen. She was a Jewish young lady, no doubt. She was probably a, a, an older teenager at this time. And she was chosen, uh, none as fair or as beautiful, it would seem. The scripture helps us to understand as this woman, there's something about people who are consecrated and dedicated to God. There's just no one more beautiful. Amen. I I mean, I'm sure she was beautiful to the natural eye. But I'm confident that the reason King Ahasuerus saw something that he saw as beautiful was because she was a consecrated, dedicated lady to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You understand, there's beauty in your life when you consecrate and dedicate yourself to Him. And so she was chosen. Mordecai happens to be her uncle. All right? I think I got that right. Who had raised her, or been a large part of her life. He's family. But Esther's in the palace. Mordecai's not. We just read about him, and word gets to Esther of where he is and how he looks and what's going on with him. So what we just read about Mordecai, clothed in sackcloth, and at the sitting as close to the, he got as close as he could. He could only get to the gate. 
But he got it. So, in other words, everybody coming and going is seeing him. She hears about this, verse 4. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Hey, did you know that uh, Mordecai, your family's looking like this and saying this? And he's in. So when she heard, watch her response, she was exceedingly grieved. She sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him. But he received it not. There are times, there are times where God takes you and I to places and gives us responsibility in prayer and posture before him that other people will not readily understand. And may God give us the heart of Mordecai. That says, I appreciate your gesture, but I can't receive what you're offering right now because God has me in this place and in this posture. You understand that's what he was doing when he did not receive what she sent him. He didn't have an attitude, I don't believe. He understood the bigger picture. She was seeking to deal with present circumstance in the moment. My family is looking this way. and I've got to find a way to maybe. There may have been a portion of her that was embarrassed, but there may have also. But the scripture says she was grieved. I just have to believe she was grieved for him. But he understood. I can't receive this that you're offering right now. I have a position and a posture that God has brought me to. Because what we're facing is greater than what you're thinking about with just me sitting here in the gate. We need an awareness in this hour of that. That's not what I want to talk about, but I felt the pause there in the Holy Ghost. Verse 5. Then called Esther for Hattak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. See, she wasn't aware. She just sought to deal with her family member in a way that she felt was positive without understanding what was going on. Well, when he refused what she offered, she's like, okay, let's go see what's up. She probably didn't say that. That's like 2022. Like, let's see what's up. Yeah, I can't believe I just said that. Verse 60. So hey, or six. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai to the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai I told him of all that had happened unto him, and of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. So now he tells us. Hatak goes back. Fast forward, chapter ten or verse ten. Again, Esther spoke to Hatak and gave him commandment to Mordecai. All the king's servants, the people of the king's provinces, know that whosoever, whether man or woman, will come to the king in the inner court who is not called. There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come to the king these 30 days. 
See, Mordecai, or Mordecai sent word back, go talk to the king. She sent word back. There's this dialogue going back and forth with this messenger. He comes and tells her what's going on. And when he comes and tells her what's going on, he also tells her that Mordecai, I want you to talk to the, says you should talk to the king. She goes, sends him back, tell him, hold on, I haven't gone to the king in 30 days. And if I go in and he hasn't invited me, it could be my life. You got the picture? All right. Verse 12, they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. Think not yourself, or think not with yourself, that you shall escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if you all together hold your peace at this time, everybody say, at this time. If you all together hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I want to read that verse again, and I want you to note, look at it closely with me. For if you altogether hold your peace at this time, there shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. You understand what Mordecai just declared here, Esther? You can hold your peace if you choose to. It doesn't mean God's going to allow the Jews to be destroyed. But it probably means that if you do, you and your house, which included Mordecai, will be destroyed. He had not lost hope for God's people, but he understood the current present situation required somebody to realize the time that it was and to open their mouth and speak. And the one who had to do it was the one that God had positioned to do it. Amen? Pray with me again, would you, right now? Lord, I'm asking you by your spirit and by your word in these next few minutes that we have, I ask you, as only you can, to talk to us. I pray an anointing upon our minds and upon our hearts and upon our ears, upon our spirit. To hear what you would speak, to hear your word as you intend it to be heard. I pray for my lips of clay and for the ears of clay today, Lord. Let your word speak with clarity and purpose. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you. I take this gathering today under the authority of your word and your name. And I pray a clear sound in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. I know that verse 14, at least those last couple of lines are, of course, the most quoted lines from all of Esther, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I, I want to... I believe the Holy Ghost wants to talk to us a few minutes this morning about timing. Timing. 
Everybody say timing. Timing matters, you know. Timing matters. I, I believe with all of my heart, many of you have heard me say this before, that the will of God is made up of two parts when you look at the will of God. I believe it is made up of the plan of God and the timing of God. You can know the plan of God but miss the timing of God. Or you can recognize that God is doing something and realize there's some timing here but not know His plan. If you don't have both parts, you can miss the will of God. Let me give you an example. Abraham knew the plan of God. The plan of God had been declared to him multiple times. Abraham, I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the seashore. He promised it. And your, and your seed will possess the gate of your enemies. This was the plan of God. This was the declared word of God. Abraham knew that. The challenge was Abraham didn't wasn't willing to wait on the timing of God. And so he listened to Sarah and he acted upon that, that conversation between the two of them. He took Hagar to be his handmaid and had a child named Ishmael with Hagar. That was not the plan of God. He tried to produce the plan of God outside the timing of God. You need both. We need both. I believe with every fiber of my being and my spirit that we have come to a place in the timing of God to see the plan of God fulfilled. And so you and I must be willing to recognize our place. We will face things that will cause us to question. You realize this about Esther. Esther, she was young. She had been chosen. I, I don't know what it felt like. I can't even begin to imagine. I, I can let my mind run a little bit to try to picture it. Maybe you would do so with me this morning. Esther, this young lady, you know, a lady, especially a young lady, wants to be desired. Wants to be considered one to look upon. Wants to be considered beautiful. All of a sudden, she got all that. And you add to that, she is named as queen. Wow. How did that feel? How did that make her feel? And here she is, and she's moving in circles she's never moved before. She's operating in a way she's never operated. She's living in a place she'd never lived before. You talk about a life change. She has had a life change. And no doubt, because of her faith, she is thanking God for His goodness and blessing. But all of a sudden, some things begin to happen in the kingdom that she is clearly, based on what we just read and walked through, she's unaware of what's going on. She's just in her place. She's now queen. Whatever comes with all of those duties and responsibilities, I trust she's fulfilling them according to the design. I, I just have to believe that. The king is now pleased with his queen, and this is going on. It, it, here it is. And maybe if we were to put it in today's terms, she would think, my goodness, how God has blessed me beyond what I could have ever imagined. My goodness, how God has moved. I never, I, I, this would have never been part of anything I could have imagined. But here, my, my, the goodness of my great God and worshiping Him and thanking Him and doing what she does and being who she is. And then all of a sudden she hears about this from Mordecai and she's, ah, she's still young. 
And you see in her responses, first of all, she's grieved that Mordecai is even in this condition. And then when she hears what's going on, then she sends word back, hey, well, you know, the king hasn't called for me in a month. And if I just walk in there, I can't just walk in there. There's, you understand, in this day and time, laws and decrees and protocols were very critical and vital and to be followed. She understood it. If I walk in there uninvited, there's a 50-50 chance I lose my life. See, we can read over this and dismiss it, but I want you to think about that simple fact. There is a 50-50 chance her action costs her her life. So you can't fault her for saying, hey, you know, let's talk about this, Mordecai. This isn't a guarantee. This isn't a given thing. No, but it's timing, Esther. It's timing. It's timing. Esther, God didn't bring you to the kingdom so you could have a great title. He didn't bring you to the kingdom so you could have all that comes with the kingdom and go look at what God has done why you should do those things. But Esther, it could be that this is the reason why. You're now getting a glimpse of the purpose for which you were placed. You're now getting a picture of the why that you didn't understand before. Yes, you get to enjoy all the benefits of the kingdom. Yes, God gave you that. Yes, God put that role, put you in that role. Yes, God gave you that title as queen. Yes, He's blessed you with all those things that came with it. But Esther, there's a purpose for your placement. And could it be that what you're seeing right now that's affecting the people of God is the purpose of God in your life? Esther, you need to recognize that this time could be the time you were ordained for. And here's the challenge Esther faces, and I'm telling you, it's a challenge every single one of us will face in our life if we purpose to live and walk with God. Is the blessing, the placement, and the favor of God on my life so that I can be blessed? Or is there a purpose I do not yet realize where He has something destined for my life and I've got to be willing to walk in it even if it means death could be on the other side of my decision? Esther, could it be you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, I feel such a burden in my spirit. You've heard it declared the last little bit. There is a burden in my spirit for this hour for the souls of men in these valleys. And there's been a beckoning of the Spirit of God upon you and I, questioning whether we would lose our life for His sake in order to find it. Questioning whether I would deny myself in order to walk according to His will. Questioning whether I'm willing to step away from the blessing of God. To walk in the will of God. What do I mean by the blessing of God? You say, well, walking in the will of God is the blessing of God. Yes, that's exactly right. So don't be deceived by things that God gave you somewhere along the journey that were a blessing when He gave them, but don't hold on to them as though that's the end of blessing. It's simply to keep you and get you to the fullness of His will and purpose.
Did God intend for Esther to be queen? Not a trick question. Yes. Did God intend for her to receive the benefits and the blessings of being queen? Yes. What mattered more to God? Her receiving the benefits and blessings of being queen? Or her stepping into the place when the time came to save God's chosen people? You see, what God gave her and where God placed her was the divine plan and blessing of God. But she had to hear, thank God, Mordecai was in her life. Because she could have became intoxicated with the blessing of God and missed the plan of God for why he placed her. There is timing with God. You realize we're not going to. I told you I wanted to read all 10 chapters. Go home and read them. Please go read them and listen and watch and pay attention to the critical timing of God. We know the verse we quoted often for God works all things. Everybody say all things. All things. That means things in your life, things in lives connected to you, things in jobs connected to you, things in governments connected to you, things you're not even aware of that somehow will intersect with your life, things that someday you'll interact with that you haven't yet. God works all things. All things together for the good. To them who love the Lord and are the called. According to what? According to what? One more time, what? His purpose. He orchestrates events. He orders the calendar. He directs lives. God has been setting things and placing things and positioning things and dealing with hearts and moving in people and creating relationships, causing interactions, putting you on jobs. He's been doing all of this, not for a day or a week or a month, but years. He's been orchestrating your life and orchestrating mine because God knows the timing of His purpose for your life and mine. And we must not get caught up in all of the orchestrating that we miss the timing and the purpose of God for where we are right now. We are living in an hour that I believe with everything in me. It is the hour of the church to be alive and well. It is the time for the church to stand firm on the word of God and declare the truth in love and look to the hungry, the hurting, the broken, the bruised, the dying and declare the ministering power of Christ through our lives to rescue them from certain destruction. Esther, could it be that God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this? I don't look at any of your faces. I don't call any of your names out without asking God. Help them to know and realize their purpose. Help them to recognize why you place them in the body. In this little place out here in Selah that would seem so small in the scope of things. But to you who sees it all, Lord. Help us to recognize the plan and the timing of God. And find our place in it. And walk therein without the fear or favor of men. But in the fear of God, Esther, 
Who knows whether you're come to the kingdom. If you hold your peace at this time. I'm just going to tell you. Now is not the time for the church to hold its peace. I'm going to say it again. Now is not the time for the church to hold its peace. It's not time to be quiet in the workplace. It's not time to be quiet in the market. It's not time to be quiet at the coffee shop with friends. It's a time to open our mouth and declare the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now is the time. Hear me if we all together hold our peace. God will raise up somebody else. But it may cost those in my house. Hester, if you hold your peace, I feel the Spirit of God pleading with us and inviting us into a place of His timing that He has ordained. It boggles my mind. The planning, orchestration, and timing of God. If you read this story of Esther, she becomes queen. This decree goes out from Haman, the second in command. She communicates to Mordecai because he's fasting and in sackcloth. He communicates back. She gets up the nerve to go to the king. She goes and he extends the scepter. So she came out on the good side of the 50-50. You understand if the king had taken her life, God still would have had his way. We must be resigned to the truth. That if I walk in obedience, no matter what happens, God wins. My life isn't my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I will glorify him in my body and in my spirit, which are his. He extends the golden scepter. And she says to him, let the king and Haman come to the banquet I've prepared for him. Now, what's interesting about that when you read that and you look at the story That's day one. The king and Haman come to the meal. Mordecai leaves, or Mordecai, Haman, the second in command, the one who had gotten the decree written to destroy all the Jews, he leaves. He's like, man, I got invited with the king to the queen's house. Just me and the king, we went before the queen. He's feeling good about that. And as he leaves, he sees Mordecai sitting in the gate. And Haman hated Mordecai. Because Haman, when he went by, people would bow to him and give him reverence. But Mordecai, whose king was the Lord God Almighty, would not bow to, Mordecai, would not bow to Haman. Mordecai would, and it made Haman angry. And so he goes home. He's telling his wife, her name is Zeresh. He's telling Zeresh, thank God my wife's not named Zeresh. But 
he's, sorry, just a passing moment there. Um, so he's, he's telling his wife, Yes, it was great. I had dinner or meal with the queen prepared for me and the king. It was just the three of us. Man, I'm, I'm somebody. I, but that doesn't even make me happy as long as I see that man more. That's really how he was. Better be careful. You let something get in your spirit. You'll take on that spirit right there. Side note, but worth noting. Now Watch. That was day one of this series of events we're talking about right now. Day one of the meal, the invitation, the meal, he goes home. That's day one. That night, King goes to bed. He can't sleep. Tossing and turning. He can't sleep. Wakes up. He's just like you and I. I can't sleep. Somebody get the book of Chronicles for me to read. Sorry, a little joke there. Right? You know, sometimes you can't sleep. You start reading the book of Numbers, you just pass out. Right? Uh, so he says, he calls for the Chronicles. I want to read the Chronicles. Bring them to me. Again, day one. This is the night. Could be the early morning going into day two, depending on when it was. He couldn't sleep, what time he went to bed. They bring the chronicles to him. It's history. The history of his kingdom. He begins to read. And wouldn't you know it, the chronicles, you know, they didn't have like a book. He didn't have like a digital PDF. Let's pull it up and scroll through here. Somebody had to go and get one of the books of the chronicles. They probably didn't bring however many there were. They had to pick one, you understand? Or two or three, however many, I don't know. But they brought him some books of history, of his kingdom. And if they brought one or they brought three or four or ten, or, he had to choose one or a scroll. Right? He had to choose one of those and open it and begin to read that one. And he had to open it and begin to read in a certain place. You understand? And he opened it and he began to read. Verse 2 of chapter 6. And it was found written that Mordecai had told Abiktana and Teresh Two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered to him, There's nothing done for him. Now watch. One day. Still on day one and going into day two. We didn't read it. Go home and I'm telling you the third time. Go home and read the whole ten chapters. What is it he's reading here? He's reading about an event that took place some time before that he'd forgotten about. Where there were two men that were very close to the king, Bigthana and Teresh. They were close to him, but they were going to overthrow the king. They were going to destroy. They, they had ill motives, a coup, if you will. And Mordecai, the same Mordecai, had heard about it being in the king's gate. And when he heard about it, he discreetly sent word to the king. And it was uncovered. The king's life was spared and those men were taken. One day, 
He can't sleep that night. He calls for historical scrolls. He picks the one that has this story. All things work together for the good. To them who are the called, who love the Lord, and are the called according to His purpose. How come Mordecai is the one that overheard of the coup? Because God knew, I'm going to need this written in a book. Because I'm going to wake the king up one night when I'm saving my people. And I'll need him to read this. So I've got to do this now. Because I know what I'm going to do then. Do you believe that? I do with all of my being. You believe that? But you struggle to believe that God would orchestrate events as such in your life? That God would do something in your life seven months ago, 17 years ago, 15 years ago, five days ago. That God in his infinite wisdom could orchestrate events and, and relationships and placement and timing to bring you to such a time as this. Oh, no, it's not coincidence. I tell you, I tell you, the same God that ordered the events in the book of Esther that caused a man to be aware of a coup, that caused a king to wake up at night, that caused all of these events, the same God orders your life and mine, and he does it for the same reason, his purpose to save lives. That's day one and a half. We'll call it day one and a half. Day one and a half. And so the king's like, we've got to honor Mordecai. We haven't done anything. We've got to honor this man. And he turns to his chamberlains. says, hey, who's out in the court right now? And they're like, oh, it's your second in command. It's Haman. Oh, that guy. Yes, that guy. Get Haman. Get him in here right now. So they get Haman in. The king's there. Haman's like, yes, king, what can I do for you? He's like, what should be done for the man the king desires to honor? And Haman, his ego, ego will get you every time. Ego will get you every time. Haman says, oh, who would the king want to honor but me? Read it. Read the story. He was full of himself. That's why we must die to ourselves. Who would the king seek to honor but me? And so then he paints this beautiful. You know, I think the man the king should want to honor. Like you should get one of the king's robes and put it on him. And you should set him on the king's animal. And you should parade him through the streets. And once you parade him through the streets, having people say, you know, what should be done to the man of the king delights to honor? Or something like that. You know, give him a, yeah, 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 lots of accolade. Read it. It's almost hilarious when you read it. You're like, man, this guy was full of himself. And the king says, hey, I'm paraphrasing here. You'll have to go read now. But hey, Haman, you're brilliant. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Do it. Give more to Ki, that man that sits in the gate. This is what he did. I want you to put your plan in place. And Haman, you go before him. That's what happened. I think God has a sense of humor. But God also has a way of taking those that serve his purpose. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. 
And he will exalt you in due time. Despise not the day of small beginnings. Think it not strange the fiery trials which have come. You hear the word of the Lord today. Don't despair because of where you are. Don't lose hope because the circumstances. Can you imagine what here's Mordecai said? Don't despair. The timing of God has not wavered. The plan of God has not been destroyed. No one or no thing is greater than God. If He's brought you and kept you to this point, He'll continue to keep you. And He'll use you and I for His glory if we'll humble ourselves, submit ourselves, and say your purpose, your plan, your time, your desire. Here I am, Lord, who knows that you brought me to your kingdom for this time. There's a verse that's turning in my spirit that says it's high time for us to wake out of our sleep. It's high time. It's high time. I realize we got things we're doing. We got projects going on. We got stuff happening that's part of life. I understand that. But please hear me, precious people of God. We better recognize the time that it is. And no project's more important than the plan of God. No thing I've got going on is more important than what God would have me to do in this hour. We still got to do that stuff. But God, help me to get my priorities aligned with your timing. critical tomorrow I'll next week I'll once I get this done then I'll once we get past this point then we will no there's no promise of tomorrow there's got to be a decision made that says I recognize the timing of God is at work I recognize the hand of God is at work and I've got to make myself available to his plan and his time now and then he'll tell me what to do with all the other projects and stuff but they all take second place to his plan Are you hearing the word of the Lord today? Please play with me right now. In Jesus' name. So Haman is parading Mordecai through the streets. It's day two. A lot can happen in a couple days. He's parading him through the streets. He's frustrated. He's angry. He's had gallows built. He started moving after the day one. His wife and friends said he got the idea to get gallows built. Day two, the very guy he was having gallows built for, he's parading him through the streets because of God's plan and timing. Then he's going to dinner with the queen and the king again on day two. There they are sitting there. 
In the back of his mind, Haman's got turmoil going on. But in the other part of his mind, he's trying to enjoy the fact and thinking he's somebody with the king and the queen. And long story short, Esther uses this time the wisdom of God to declare and appeal to the king for her people. For the children of God. And Haman realizes, I am in a pickle. Because the king says, what is it, Esther? And she tells him and says, it's this man that has decreed this. And the king is angry. But the king does what a wise person does when he's angry. He steps outside of the room to clear his head. And when he does, fear, the fear of the Lord grips Haman's heart, I believe. But Haman, who is now gripped, fear it would have been good to have a long time before. He goes to Esther and lays hold on her, pleading with her. And when the king comes back in, Haman has her there on the couch. And he says, now would you even do this to the queen? And he's angry. And in two days, everything changed. Everything changed. In two days. Why? God's timing. Mordecai discovering a coup. King that couldn't sleep. An angry second in command seeking to destroy people. And you would look across the space of however much time that spans. And you would think, just don't understand. I can't see how. Fear gripping the lives of the Jews, believing they're going to lose their life. The circumstances looking bleak. I mean, after all, it's in writing that we're going to be destroyed. I don't care what man says. God has the final say. And in two days, everything changed. Why? Because God had positioned everything along the way. Because God will have a church. He will have a people called out. He will have a people called out and separated unto him. He will. And so you and I must recognize the timing of God at work in our lives. You've got to recognize and believe, and I'm finishing. We must know. If my life is submitted to God and my life is in genuine pursuit of Him, the circumstances of life He controls. And therefore, I submit myself to these circumstances in the fear of God. He knows what He's doing. Would you stand with me this morning?
He knows what he's doing. We all know the story of Joseph. Sold by his brothers. Sold into slavery. Cast into prison from Potiphar's house. Forgotten by the men he interpreted dreams for. But one night, Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. In that moment, the chief butler's like, oh, forgive me, I've done wrong. I forgot there was this Hebrew in prison. He can interpret dreams. Did the butler forget? He did. God let him forget. Anybody know why the butler got thrown in prison? Anybody? I'll give you a Bible study for the week. Go find out and let me know what you find. Guess what? It's irrelevant. He got thrown in prison because God was orchestrating events for such a time. Why would Potiphar's seductive wife lay hold on Joseph's coat? Say, God did that. No, God allowed that. But he allowed it. And like, and see, here's the God we serve. Oh, you want to do that and lie about my child? Okay. Fair enough. But since I'm God, I'll use that. In my plan. Okay, so now I need to get a butler into prison. And the infinite God, the almighty, all-powerful, all-wise, omniscient God says, Okay, here, do you see? God can take that that the adversary means to destroy us. And because God has all power can say, Well, okay, I'll use that. I'll adjust and adapt and change and make this such that if they'll keep pursuing and come into my plan and they'll recognize my timing, my purpose will be wrought in their lives and through their lives. I could keep going. I won't for sake of time, but read the story of Daniel. Want to know about timing? Read the story of the three Hebrew children. You want to know about timing? Read the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know about timing. Why is it we can read and hear all of those precious, powerful truths from the Word of God of men and women's lives where God has divinely ordained events before, during, and after their lives and the lives of others where there would be intersection all to orchestrate His will and His plan. But we would doubt for a moment that God could and would and is doing the same thing for your life and mine. Your life is not just passing that no one's aware of. You have been chosen of God. You have been designed by God with distinct purpose that only you can fulfill in His kingdom. But we must recognize the timing of God and be willing to say, God, open my understanding to your plan. Come on, would you begin to talk with him?
Help me to realize your purpose. And where I don't, I will trust you still. Because my commitment is to you, the King of Kings. My commitment is to your purpose and your plan. My commitment is to what you intend and what you desire. Come on, I'm opening this altar to you today. Would you acknowledge the hand of God in your life? Would you acknowledge that he knows what he's doing?